Welcome once again to the Pop Culture Roundtable. This is the show where we talk about the things we love and the things we're looking forward to in the month to come. This is February 2019, and here's what you can expect this month. Enchanters Overlords, Umbrella Academy, Oscars nominations, and a bit of Mondo and a bit of Disney. Man, all that and more on this episode of the Pop Culture Roundtable. the pop culture roundtable and we're on the master of one network i'm andrew and i'm patrick and we will guide you through the month of february the loves the hates and everything in between so why don't we get things kicked off patrick by telling each other how our months have been here's here's the thing though i've got i'm making decisions mm. I, i'm so I've, i'm growing out the facial hair yes and um it's and, and so a wait 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 so you're growing out your facial hair and we have the the story of your facial hair is a is a roller coaster of a story, right? I mean, um, you. I think the you, lack of story is what's so baffling. Well, to no, you. well, it's you. You have had facial hair. This isn't like a new thing. You've had facial hair, pretty much the majority of our of the tenure of our friendship and our relationship. However, it's been strictly because it was. Uh, you didn't want to maintain a shaved face prior to this stage of your life. The beard has been solely a representation of the laziness of not wanting to keep up with your face, right? Yes. Yeah. That, that's how I would describe it to people. And, uh, and so I, I was a bit unkempt. And then recently you've, uh, you've basically told me what a slob I am. Sure. And that has I've been saying me. that for years. You finally heard it. <laughs> yes, that has encouraged me to be more kempt. Kempt. <laughs> um, that being said, I do. There, no matter how nice your beard is trimmed, there, there's still the idea that it's like some junk growing on your face, and it's it's like rough edges. And so I I am not only embracing this in my uh, in my personal life of having just nicely styled junk. <laughs> just let it happen. <laughs> Uh, but I'm also going to embrace it with uh, the other things I do. So I think we should, we'll should. we just set up a new rule where, for instance, this podcast, we just don't edit it. Mm. We're, we're prepared. That, that seems dangerous. <laughs> and then we just, let, we just let it flow the way it flows and just embrace the nice junk. Well, you know, I think that's easy to say after we just spent 15 minutes trying to record the intro <laughs> starting now yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah uh this week's been fine there's there's not a ton going on um where where did i oh yeah i i was gone for i was gonna say didn't i just get back from somewhere and yeah, i just sweet. realized i did just get back from somewhere we yeah. we we were in i was in florida for 10 days andrew you came and joined as well and uh, we d- we did the kind of normal thing which is go to all the parks hit up hit up um uh, Festival of the Arts, we told you about last month that we were going to be at. Uh, obviously saw some artists down there, but we got a chance to go into uh, Magic Kingdom, got a chance to go into Epcot, to Animal Kingdom. Animal Kingdom, I mean, we crammed it in an entire uh, day into like three and a half hours. It was incredibly yeah, impressive. Yeah, we really did. We did everything we would have wanted to do, and then some, in yeah. in three and a half hours, yeah. In no time, because it was pouring rain, and you really shouldn't have been out it there. It was horrible, yeah. Yeah, weather yeah. was terrible so that that's what's been going on it's basically been a lot of theme parks to the point 
um, that I'm just, I'm tired of going to theme parks. I've, I've had too much fun. I have been too privileged. And now it's just, you know, who wants to waste their time doing that? So I'm glad to be back at work. I'm glad to be back in at my home and into the normal swing of things. And I need this to wear on me a bit so I can get excited about going to another theme park because I just got to the point while we were there that I was over it. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I, I don't want to say I was the opposite because there was at the end of it, I felt, I felt satisfied. I didn't feel overwhelmed and I didn't feel like, Oh, I can't, I couldn't do this again tomorrow if I had to, I didn't feel that way at all, but I felt satisfied with, with the amount of time we spent in theme parks because we did magic kingdom, uh, Epcot, Animal Kingdom, Universal Studios, and Islands of Adventure over the course and of four I days. I had another experience in Magic Kingdom as well before you got right, there. Right, the day before. Cannot say enough good about uh, Tim Anderson and the time spent at Universal. Uh, the last two times we've gone, he's just absolutely taken care of us, and plus he's just a, a blast to hang out with. And then, of course, uh, huge thanks to to Jay Ratner for meeting us at the park and uh, getting to experience uh, part of Epcot with him up until he had to run and do his signing. And uh, and then, of course, uh, Adam Bien, who led us through the Animal Kingdom, uh, the the flood of sorts, the Noah's Ark scenario that we found ourselves yeah, in. Yeah, he took a, he took us through the deluge um, to. It, with the with the insider knowledge of of how to get onto all the Avatar Pandora stuff without having to wait four hours in line, and he he uh, he did not have to go with us uh, or do it because he it was terrible weather. But he said he he was in it with us if we wanted to do it, um, and so he did and and uh, showed us our showed us our experience at Pandora, which was phenomenal. Um, I, yeah, and saying this out loud, this is what I'm going to commit to do. What we're going to do, we're not going to talk about it here. We're going to put together uh, an, an we're going to record an episode that's basically an, an insider's guide of how to do the park correctly. And we're just going to start with one park, so we'll we can start with it'll be a four part uh, series. Yeah, it'll be a four park series, and um, and we'll just walk through talking to the correct people of how you do a park correctly if if you have you know, a half day or a full day to devote to it. This is what you need to do in this order to get the, the kind of most out of it and have the best experience. So let's just commit right now let's to commit, making that happen. Let's commit to that. And I would say let's even let's even try to, to nail down a time frame for this. A lot of people are going to be going on vacations in the summer. So let's try to knock that out sometime in the spring. Yeah, easy. That would Done. make a we, ton of sense. We will make it easy for you because we know how to have fun. Yeah. The, the Master of One Insider Guide to Fill-in-the-Blank Park. Yeah. Yeah, I like that idea. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so what else did you do besides theme parks? Oh, that feels like the majority of it. Um, outside of that, it's been uh, catching up on shows. Uh, we had Ted Bundy tapes come out on Netflix, had a chance to go through all of, uh, those episodes. And uh, it, it's a, I mean, it's a show that you can, um, you know, digest at night if you want to. Um, it's, I think a pretty level show, um, out, uh, it's still all, it, I'm trying to think of how to, how to describe it. It's not, 
it does didn't elicit the same kind of shock factor as a few of the other true crime shows on Netflix have. I mean, it's shocking, it's terrifying, and it's all those type of things. It's not but, making a murderer though. Yeah, exactly. And it's not, you know, there's the one crime show with the guy with like the the pizza delivery guy with the neck bomb and it's all, you know, how have I never heard of this before? This is so bizarre. Uh, this is a pretty straightforward uh, murder. <laughs> but um, uh, but you still, like, you get to the end of it and you have this moment of, like, what did, what did we learn? Um, I, it reminded me a bit of if you watch the movie uh, Burn After Reading, how it gets, like, the very end and it's, the you know, the general or whatever and they're sitting in, like, a room in the... In, you know, be like sitting in the Pentagon or something like that. And he has this moment where he asks these two other guys in the room, what did we learn from this? And one of them responds, I have no idea. And he says, I have no idea either. And they just kind of shut the file and that's the end of the movie. That's a bit what the end of the Ted Bunny tapes felt like. Um, Also got a chance to... I would hate that. I would hate that. Really? Oh my gosh, yeah. I would hate that. I I hate the idea that there's this, this, this... this lack of there's a buildup and at the end of this buildup you just feel like there's there's no there was no point it's not that there's no resolve but you just kind of don't know so when you watch something like making a murder when you watch a show like that it's selling you on a point of view like it's selling you on this idea that you know this guy's innocent and he's been wronged and these are the 20 reasons why and so you end the show and you're like fired up of like yeah, it's wrong. Let's let's we need to fix this, you know. Uh and Ted Bunny Tapes ends in I you know, I mean, he's horrible and he got what he deserved and yet I it's not like it was making a case for capital punishment or against capital punishment or or for this in the justice system or against this. It was just laying out what happened and so you just get done with it and then you go watch something else. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's like um, yeah. I I get that. Anyway, there's no, um, there's nothing to be done, much like like when we watched, um, when we went and saw that that film, the uh, "They Will Never Grow Old" or whatever it's called, uh, the one about the World War One British crew. Yeah. Okay. Um, so for a second, it, it didn't Did seem you think like you I were... forgot about the film this quickly. I, I just I, you didn't seem to be giving any information to indicate it's literally that you're tra- the next film on my list to talk about. Okay. Yes, but for me, it was like that. Where at the end of it, there's nothing to be. There's nothing to be done. They're not trying to proposition you one way or another. There's no call to action at the end of this film. It's just, oh, that happened, and here's information that that how about how that happened, about why that happened, and then you just like you said, the movie ends, and then you move on to something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so as I'm saying this out loud, I sound like a very calloused, terrible person. Um, but on that note, they sh- they uh, and they what shall not grow old. There's uh, prepositions and, and uh, things in there. Yeah, They Shall Not Grow Old. Peter Jackson, great film. So they took uh, uh, archival footage from World War One, and uh, they remastered it in every sense of the word remastered. I mean, to the point of getting, like, audio pathologists to lip read what would it be, people would it be saying. considered remastering? I think they mastered it for the first time, right? I don't know what the termino- terminology means. So who knows? But the point is, they took black and white, silent footage, and they got, again, uh, these lip-reading pathologists to determine what people were saying in the footage. They hired people from the same parts of the world to re-record all the voices. They got the actual equipment 
to redo all the like Foley sounds so they could put a full audio track behind it. They brought color to it. They bought uniforms from all the same, you know, era and groups of people so they could color match all the color correctly. They went and took reference photos on the actual battlefield so they could get all the grass colors correct. And I mean, they got all the frame rates correct on everything and synced up and it's um just beautiful the level they went to you could watch it and instead of it feeling like footage from 1904 um or 1910 it feels like footage from 1985 i mean it feels like footage that that yeah was from the early part of our lifetime um and and so it's it's just incredible to watch now it took a lot of effort to make this look natural Yes, to make absolutely. it look to make it look effortless. Like it took a ton of effort to make it look effortless. If you get a chance to watch the Peter Jackson actually has a a thirty minute. Here's the steps we took. Um, I don't know if it plays on every watching the documentary. It did play on ours, um, but if you don't get to see it, go look it up after the fact and make sure you take the 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 time to watch it because it is very insightful. Um, but but one thing to know is that it's not actually retelling a specific battle or or a specific anything yeah there's no there's no hook to it there's no like climax right it's taking a conglomeration of stories and it is crafting what a typical encounter you know felt like it's giving you the emotion and the feeling and it's using all i mean there's no narration there's it's all real people's voices it's all people that actually experienced it giving interviews and these are old interviews from you know decades ago but the point is it is a a crafted example of what a battle probably and could have felt like. So that's a that's a very interesting take on it. But in execution, it's done incredibly and not, well. And, and not the even, documentary is incredible. Not even battle, like because Peter at the end, or Mister Jackson, well, <laughs> Peter Jackson, at the end of it says, <laughs> Mister Jackson, he says like he did not. He did not want to tell. There are a thousand stories you could tell. Yes. And so instead, the, the direction he tried to take was to paint a picture of what day-to-day life was like on and off the battlefield. And yep. so it leads up to, there is a kind of a culmination of a specific battle uh, and then, or being at the front, not a specific battle, but being at the front and then what it looked like after the front. Yeah. And so it's it's a really interesting way of telling the story. Um, and it seems very succinct and very cohesive when, when you consider that this is found footage and found audio that is then compiled, that they're all talking about different things and they, they compile down these nuggets to help to help tell the story from beginning to end. Yeah, I think they ended up having something like 35 different voices that you're hearing. 35 people have contributed to this one seamless story. And uh, and then hundreds of hours of video, hundreds of Six, hours of 600 audio. 600 hours of audio and like 300 hours of footage of like video or something like that. Or maybe that's flipped. But it's crazy. But did they narrow down to be a you know 58-minute runtime or whatever yeah. it is? It's It's incredible do not pass up the opportunity to go see it uh, i'm seeing it again this week so um I, th- those are the highlights uh from the pop culture perspective on my side andrew do you have anything that you want to add on on your side um it's been it's been pretty it's been pretty quiet in terms of of pop culture type things other than some of the stuff i'm going to talk about when we talk about some category stuff um 
But uh, I was at Disney with you. I got to do some of that same stuff, and it was fun. Going to um, our our meetup at Disney was was different this time around than we typically have them because we did it midweek, and that's 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 atypical for us. So we did have a lower crowd of people, and multiple people said, "Oh man, if it was." the day before they would have been able to do it, whatever. But what that allowed for was this really intimate conversation between what, what there ended up being like seven or eight people. Right. Yeah. Um, and that, that, that was a moment and those continue to be moments of cherished time for me because we get to have really honest dialogues and chill and don't feel like you have to be on like that conversation was with people that we deeply love and appreciate and are, have been in the community for a while. Um, and so it wasn't at all like we were talking to quote unquote fans of the show or even fans of ours. It was, it felt like we were just getting together with friends and that was, I didn't feel like we had to, First of all, didn't feel like we had to talk about the show, which which was great, <laughs> which was great, and didn't feel like we had to to present anything. We could just be present with with one another, and it was great. And then, like you said about Tim, Tim took the day, uh, took half the day, and spent it with us at the parks, and it was so much fun. Um, because so I'm a big roller coaster guy. I love roller coasters. I love rides. Uh, you're not a huge roller coaster guy. And so it was great to have him there when we split off that he and I could go do a couple things and you and Mackenzie um, did did your thing. So it was kind of nice um, to have him there. But then on top of that, the stories and insight he brought to some of the rides we were riding, the inside information on some of that stuff is so fascinating to me and so exciting. Um, very little of it are we allowed to share publicly, which sucks, but um, I... I imagine sometime in the in the near future, maybe part of this uh, insider series that you were that you were kind of prefacing before, um, bring Tim in and, and talk a couple talk about some of these things that that uh, from a more maybe general place. But uh, man, those those things were so much fun for me. And then um, I was able to see a couple movies. Uh, the one that I'll talk about briefly now because it's not going to get mentioned anywhere else in the show is the the second Lego Movie. So Lego Movie. The second part, I think, is what they're calling it. Lego Movie 2, the second part. Um, it was just okay for me. Cooper loved it. It was okay. Uh, I think I, I was... I The entire time was comparing it to the first one, which I think is... That's pretty expected, right? Uh, when you're prepare, when you're comparing a sequel to its, its predecessor. Uh, but the predecessor was so groundbreaking. The, the first Lego Movie was so groundbreaking... We hadn't seen anything like it up to that point. And since then, I was looking at it, and we've had four movies after that. Right. You know what I mean? And in the same genre, in the same styling, done with the same techniques. And I was hoping that this movie would um, evolve from there. But instead, it felt like it was more of the same and actually felt like it was forcing it to be more of the same, which felt stale to me. Some of the jokes landed very, very flat for me because I was, I was, I was expecting more from, you know, I have this and I don't know that this is correct. This is a sense I have. Feel free to, to disprove this, that the resolution of the animation style, because the, the first time we saw Lego film, 
seeing everything being made out of Lego bricks, like even that part of the movie was fascinating. Like staring at that for two hours was no problem. Just trying to catch all these different, oh, and that's how they accomplish that, and and that's what they used to to illustrate that. Catching all these pieces, and I got the sense in watching some of the the other like the Lego Batman movie that the uh, the resolution went up a lot in the Lego animation. And so the, the scale of everything got larger, which meant that the individual pieces got smaller. And because of that, I feel like I lose more of these little touches um, be, because, it, you know, it's like you used to be able to see what was in essence a pixel. And now you, everything you're looking at, you can't see the individual pixels anymore. And that's good in, in trying to um, accomplish something with, with high detail and high depth. But the problem is when you're trying to pick up on these little like Legos, like the, the the that low resolution I think made it better in my opinion. Now uh, I could be wrong. Yeah, but I don't I don't think that actually plays out. You haven't seen the new one yet, right? No, no. I so I'm yeah. only referring to seeing the first Lego film and then seeing the trailers the, for this one. No, no, no. Seeing um, there was a, ba- a standalone Batman Lego film, correct? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. But the the Lego Batman film is is a little bit different. I know what you're saying. Like the Lego Batman film isn't as self aware. So the, the Lego Batman film plays a bit more like a regular Batman film in that it doesn't it doesn't placate to the strengths of Lego, whereas the Lego the Lego movie the original one plays on this idea of becoming a master builder. It is within itself, it is made of the thing that it's talking about. Batman is different. Batman is the story of Batman, but told in a Lego world. This is the story of Lego. So you told just think it's world. you just think it's because the way they told the story they I, I, de-emphasized to one, a level one hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. Because you go back to this one and it's looking at the second the second film, it brings that back. Like it f- feels very much. It identifies. It's looking around these different these different cityscapes, and as they're going through these action scenes, they're identifying um, Lego. Lego part numbers that so get your highlighted. Entire, things. Your entire problem is just the either the story or the tone of the film. It is one hundred percent. Yeah, it has nothing to do with the visual. The visual is stunning and it, and it re engages me visually and I and I love how they do it. They I I again feel like I'm actually watching something that is more stop motion than it is ge- you know computer generated. So from that aspect, I think they 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 maintained the magic of that. However. It's the it's the writing, the writing and some of the acting falls flat. Like so Will Will Ferrell's I don't know. I don't think these are considered spoilers. Will Ferrell's the dad, you know, in the the original one. We know Um, that's that's not the spoiler I'm talking about. He's he's dead. Yeah, he dies within the first 10 (laughs) seconds. Um, No, but his character goes away. Literally like this is how they this is how they interact with this. His character there's, you know, at the, the end of the first one, there's this cliffhanger where the Duplo characters, they come from the planet Duplo, and it's because the dad, Will Ferrell's character, is allowing his sister now to come down and play with all these toys. Well, that's the cliffhanger at the end. Well, that's exactly where this film picks up. But then what Will Ferrell's character says and does, because he's not in this film, really, um, is he he goes, uh, because he was the primary antagonist in the original film, right? So they had to change that because the whole storyline is different. So he goes, well, I think you guys got this handled. I'm going to go to the links. And he changes, he quick changes into a golf outfit and drives away uh, in a golf cart. That's how the, that's how it starts. Now his character, his uh, Will Ferrell as the dad, not as, you know, Mr. You know, 
Dr. Business or whatever his the sure. bad guy's name is. Um, you will hear his voice from time to time. You spend a lot more time in the real world in this movie. A lot more time. Probably four times as, as much time as you saw in the, in the first one. In the real world with real, the, with real people acting. And they're not great. It brings the same kid back, and I don't think he's a great actor. Um, it's five years later, and they they jump, they do they do a time jump, and every time that they're engaging with Dad, Dad is a disconnected voice down the hall. So you're hearing Will Ferrell give new you know give new voice acting lines, but you're never actually engaging with him. And Maya Rudolph is the mom, and Maya Rudolph comes in, and and she's being Maya Rudolph, which is kind of punchy and sarcastic. It lands flat for me. It doesn't play well with the ninety-eight percent of what Maya Rudolph does lands flat for me. Well, I, I agree. You have to hit. She has. To, you have to really like her first of all, and second of all, and I don't dislike her, but she also has to be with the right ensemble of people. With Amy Poehler or Tina Fey, the two, you know, she can play. She can bounce off of them. It's just Maya Rudolph talking to these two child actors. It just lands flat. Anyway, this wasn't meant to get like way into the weeds. I liked the film. Didn't love the film. Um, there's some really cool twisty things that happen in it that I actually really did appreciate. I didn't know what was around every corner like I thought I did, so that's good. Um, but for me, I, it, it just landed a little flat. I'd be interested to hear what our community thinks, for those of you who have seen it. I do think the the moral of the film is really good, and the the, uh, the overarching theme of the film is really good, but how they get there just feels a little... Um, it just feels a little flat. So, okay. Um, yeah, I think that that's all I'm going to say about about my. Why don't we just jump straight into stuff. movies? I feel like we're already on the movie train, so let's just yeah. continue it. Yeah, I like that. What do you got, movies wise? <laughs> okay. Uh, really, only two other things I want to. Well, no, three more things I want to make sure we hit. Uh, one of them, Alita: Battle Angel. We got to see the film, an early release of the film, and then we got to sit through a QA with um, with Robert Rodriguez. Did not realize this. He's an Austin guy. Uh, should have traveled up to Austin because we could have sat there in person, which I feel like would have been a little bit more special. Uh, and also, uh, would it have? <laughs> also, well, <laughs> so on that note, um, this guy loves Jim Cameron. Um, <laughs> and that's not a mistake. James Cameron, and apparently they're close enough that they, uh, they, he can call him Jim. I don't, I'm convinced he doesn't even know his name's James at this point. He said the phrase Jim or Jim Cameron, 200 times within a 30-minute QA. Additionally, Avatar is obviously this guy's favorite movie because he referenced Avatar about 180 times during a 30-minute QA. So that being said, um, the QA had some informative bits, Mm -hmm. but they were few and far between. Just watch the movie. I'll talk about a bit of it when I do After the Film, which is coming out this week. Check out the After Film on Alita Battle Angel. Uh, Long story short, though, just go ahead and go watch the film. If If you don't get a chance to listen to the podcast, but you have an opportunity to see the movie, go ahead and watch the movie. And then we can talk about it after. Um, but that's thing number one. Thing number two, the Aladdin one-minute teaser just came out. It dropped during the Grammys. Yeah. Will Smith's blue. That's that's the that's the entire story. I'm actually you're right. And and the the internet is for good, bad, or indifferent in an uproar over this. I'm actually very pleased. Not necessarily with how he looks, but I'm glad that they didn't just completely div- you know, deviate from the original, from the original design of that character. Um, now, do do I fully buy into how they're depicting him? I don't know that I'd go that far, um, but I do like that he is a blue, amorphous 
figure um, as opposed to just the fresh prince with a ponytail. <laughs> like when I go back and look at the original genie rendering and then look at uh, the Will Smith rendering, you can see all the correct embellishments. Like yeah. everything's there. Um, the the general shape and the pointy ears and all the right pieces of jewelry, all all the pieces are there, and e- even the color, the hue is correct. Which why mm-hmm. why wouldn't it be blue? Something about it just looks too much like Will Smith to me. Um, and I think a good example <laughs> it's, is it's Will Smith. <laughs> well, I think a good example is Josh Brolin as Thanos. Like you could, he gets lost in there a bit. You don't necessarily register that it's Josh Brolin. And I think it's just far enough away that you can focus on it being Thanos. And I think that we need to have another step back because when I see the genie, I want to see the genie. I don't want to see Will Smith. And right now I see Will Smith. I, I get that. It, that, so that is such a fine line to walk though, right? Because if sure. you look at the original genie character, it, it resembles Robin Williams. Like there are these, there are these, like with every, with every Disney character they always bring in they all it's embellished always obviously stylized always from this vantage point but they always do something to emulate the the actor in it and i see when i see the genie now i see robin williams in it like i don't separate those characters for me and maybe that's just maybe that's the difference between how you perceive things and how i perceive things or maybe you have more experience with uh, I almost said Freddie Prince Jr. Fresh <laughs> Prince of Bel Air. Yeah, well, that, maybe you exactly. have more. Ex- like he is, he is so iconically uh, absorbed into your pop culture psyche that it is going to be hard to see him as anything other than Will Smith. Now, reality is there will be adjustments made to his character before he comes out. I'm not even sure. saying there'll be major adjustments. Um, but, but for instance, when we were sitting in the Q and a with Alita learning how from trailer one to trailer two, they changed her pupil size 25% or 23%, whatever he said. Uh, and the point is they, and the same thing happens with every film. If you look at star Lord, I don't know why I keep going back to like guardians and whatever star Lord and trailer one that came out looks different than star Lord and trailer two. There were changes made to his helmet and his like eyes and stuff like that. So things change, things are enhanced, things are improved. I'm sure things will get adjusted to a point. There won't be any drastic adjustments at this point. Um, So we'll see. In practice, I would hope that as I'm getting into the film that it will become the genie instead of being Will Smith. But on the first kind of showing, I'm not feeling too optimistic. Now, that aside, the trailer itself, the one-minute teaser, just fell very flat for me energy-wise. You know, it shows the big the sky shot looking down at this parade that's running through the the city, you know, and it's this big colorful thing, but it just looks slow and boring. It, it didn't, nothing really felt can I, can I from ask, an emotional sense. Yeah. Can I ask if it had anything to do with this? Cause I felt the same way. And for me, I've, I've been, you know, uh, really kind of mulling it over and asking myself why I felt this way. The answer I came up with for me, it didn't show a lot of action that showed a lot of visual, like, like eye candy and like uh and and you know these these massive scapes these massive sets these digital sets that they've created which are beautiful and phenomenal but everything has a bit of that sand that sand washed tone to it because you're in the desert and except for the one scene where you're seeing the the from a, from above the uh, prince ali you know uh caravan coming through Everything just felt very dark and sand washed and you didn't see a lot of action. You saw a lot of them kind of 
showboating their their visual effects but didn't show much of the story yeah i agree not much action but i also think the scale is very low and i don't mean the sets the sets obviously are big scale but i think the things that inhabit the sets feel very tiny it it feels like they haven't filled in all the peripheral pieces yet so i don't know i i walked away from the trailer feeling it's like buying a mansion and then and then having uh enough furniture to outfit one room when you have 75 rooms yeah it just it's not there the details aren't there they'll add more stuff in i'm sure but i'm i'm walking away right now feeling really unimpressed i don't have any issues with casting i don't have any issues with with costuming like i've heard people complaining either because he does is not shirtless or because like the the clothes you've seen on on everybody so far don't they don't match enough of the cartoon or and I've heard some people then, say that but like, then the genie is so closely tied. I know. Yeah. And I've heard some people say Jafar doesn't look mean enough and all this kind of stuff. None of that stuff stood out to me. That I the the I I will we'll just say the action feels flat. That feels very flat right now. And I and I am on the fence about how the genie will play out. So um okay. That's but that's the, not till May, so there's plenty of time for them to get plenty to of time. And we still haven't even stuff. got our first full trailer yet. We've yeah. had We've had two teasers now, like a 15-second and a one-minute. We still need to get a trailer. Um, okay, last thing that I'll talk about in movies, and then we'll move on. Oscars. Nominations have dropped. You can go online and you can see them. It's all mostly the stuff you would expect, but two things I wanted to mention. A, we don't see Won't You Be My Neighbor on there for documentary. I know. and That's a I, shame. It's very surprising to me. Um, for those that have not seen the film, it just premiered on PBS and HBO last week, which means that if you have the HBO service, you can go ahead and, and watch it now. Uh, but that is out and available, and you should go ahead and watch it. Fantastic documentary. And watch it with some family members, or just go ahead and have your family members on speed dial, because as soon as that documentary ends, you're going to want to call your parents. I promise you. Um, so that documentary was fantastic. Um, the other thing I'm, I'm upset that, uh, first man isn't in the, the running for best picture. And I'm, I'm very, very surprised by that. Um, but most everything else is, is about, about what you'd expect. I also don't think Bohemian Rhapsody should be in the running for best picture, but it is, I think minimum that should have got sub for first man. Um, if that wins, um, I I'll just write off the Oscars for next year. But the other talk with the Oscars is that it's hostless this year. So initially, we we had a, a host chosen. Uh, what's his name? Kevin James. Kevin Hart. <laughs> <laughs> we had Kevin Hart chosen, and then I can't uh, believe contra- the King of Queens couldn't make it. <laughs> I know. And then controversy of of old tweets, and uh, and then also a kind of lack of apology. He's gone, and instead of replacing him, which we have some great options to replace them with uh for instance mulaney and sandberg just put them both up there and it'll be a fantastic evening but instead yeah, they're or going Kev- kevin spacey he's doing nothing right now <laughs> yeah he's got all the time in the world um but instead we have a hostless oscar so it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out i wonder if they do more like digital packages you know what i mean like a digital opening with lots of actors or a digital you know what i mean like these you know the- these segments the main thing I wonder about is the opening monologue because I'm so used to if I miss everything else that night, I want to see the opening monologue. Right. So do they still do an opening monologue and it's just a one-off from somebody? We'll see. Beyond that, once you get into the show, typically it's just other famous people giving awards to famous people. Yeah. 
So you don't really, I, I can see how a lot of it could work hostless, maybe. And, and I could actually see how hostless would maybe be better because I just watched the Grammys and honestly, I would have rather that had been hostless. Alicia <laughs> Keys wasn't that bad. She was pretty bad. She, she is not what I would want in a host. She was super chill. She's who I'd want to hang out with like at a party. But she is not bringing the party. She is like, she's sitting on the couch sipping a drink with you. Well, in any case, we'll see what it is. But the Oscars are hostless this year and they're choosing to show less of the awards. So all the technical awards are not going to be given away on TV. Those will be given away during commercial breaks. Yeah, in your in your face, guys that help <laughs> us see and hear the film. So I'm really, I think the Oscars are going to be pretty bad this year. Um, they're I'm certainly not- setting the bar setting the bar for expectations to be low. It can only really be better than what we would expect at this you point. You know what? Right? Go ahead and give it to Bohemian Rhapsody this year. I don't care. I'll, Cause, you're, Cause you're essentially saying <laughs> 2019 confident. isn't an Oscar year for you. Yeah. Which it's crazy. it's not this an Oscar the, year for the Oscars. This is the first year where I will, where I will have prior to the nominations. This is the first time ever in the history of me being alive that when the Oscar nominations were revealed, I had already seen the films. Like, like I was maybe that's what's happened this year. Maybe Uh, we're too prepared. Yeah, like (laughs) I'm, I'm let down because I have been so active in film this year that now I'm like I'm too invested. I need to be not caring as much. That's the problem. That's that's the thing. Okay, so that's it for film stuff. Again, catch after the film uh, later this week, and we'll we'll dive into Alita a bit more. I'm excited to hear your Alita. I have so much I want to say about Alita that this is one of those situations where I wish we were talking about it, but you have fun with yours. It's too bad. All it's right. too bad. You'll just have to leave a, a comment. That doesn't sound like me. All right, tell us about tell me about Deadly Class. What the heck okay, is that? Okay, so Deadly Class. So I'm gonna let's we're gonna transition this over into art and design uh for a moment. Uh so I am a fan of the the comic arts. Um and specifically I, I really enjoy graphic novels because um I'm, I don't know. I am impatient. I don't like reading things that's like one and then have to wait a month until the next one, you know, because I read through them very quickly and then I'm, I'm, I get bored um, and impatient. So I wait till they're compendiums, but Deadly Class is one that I came to late. When I was in Florida, actually, uh, I needed to get some reading material for the plane and we went to this local comic book shop in Orlando and I, um, uh, saw a book on the shelf that caught my eye and it was deadly class, but it was volume six. And I was like, Oh man, there's already six volumes of this. That is, that's exciting to me because that means I was one of, here for this. I know you got to see the, the other side of this. Um, I'm like, Oh, there's, there's six of these. That means it's, it's done well enough that it has continued. And that means I could start back at one and read my way through. I've got, I've got plenty of, of investment that I can make into this series. Which is good to see, right? That for a person who gets impatient with story and things. So then I'm like, okay, I just need to find I need to find the first the first volume. So scanning, scanning, scanning. Ha! Deadly, deadly class. Uh volume seven. Damn it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'll just, I'll just keep going, keep scanning, scanning. Deadly class. All right, here we go. Volume eight. And it went volume eight, volume nine, volume ten. Saw all these things, and at this point, I'm just getting frustrated. You're sitting there laughing at me because I because you're seeing me in real time give up on it and then find another title and then pick it up to realize it's only one further along in that that thread. But finally, did find volume one and uh, picked it up and and read it. It is really really good. 
the illustrations in the book are are great. They are akin to um, a slightly more. Uh, it's colorized. Think think of Mike Mignola colorized um, with a little bit more uh, uh, half toning. So like Mike Mignola is strictly solid black, solid white with with like you know, maybe two or three colors on the entire page. This is a couple more colors than that. And then they also introduce some, some mild half toning into it to, to create a few shades. Um, but other than that, it's very simple in its approach, very stylized. The, the book is, uh, is about a, um, about this school essentially for assassins. And it's a, like a high school, that teaches assassinry. I don't think that's the word, but it, that's what it, that's what it <laughs> teaches. And, um, it's really, really clever and really fun and it's graphic. Um, it, you know, it's, it's, um, graphic in violence. It's not graphic, you know, sexually, at least not that I've seen yet. Um, it is, it is not a, a kid's comic book by any stretch of the imagination, but, um, what, what caught my attention after reading this is that there is a, and here we'll cross over back over into TV and film for a second. There is a T a T a TV adaptation of this on sci-fi that just started. We are a few episodes into it. Um, so I am now rushing my way through. I actually already picked up Patrick volume two okay. <laughs> of this because I'm apparently I have eight more to get through. But um, trying to trying to get deep enough in the story that I can now go watch the sci-fi show and not feel like I'm I'm missing out on things or or seeing them in the show before they happen in the books. Um, but the the book is really really good. It's it, it it's it's a fun read if you are into um, that kind of thing. The artist and the writer uh, are the co-creators, which are Rick Re Rick Remender and Wes Craig respectively. Um, they created this and then he wrote it and he, uh, Rick wrote it and Wes is the illustrator for it. The, the, the artwork is just really fun for me. I think, um, if you follow the show at all, you know, kind of my, my vibe when it comes to this kind of thing. And this very much falls into that. So I'm excited to get through a couple more volumes and then go back and watch the show. It's like I said, it's just started. So the catalog is, is really, really shallow in terms of the episodes, but it looks, it looks like it's going to be really good. I've seen some screenshots and the, the character, like the actor adaptation from the, the, the book looks great. The other one uh, on that same note of art and design that has been transitioned over and has been adapted is the umbrella Academy. And I think we talked about this briefly with Andrew yeah, Cole. With Cole. Yeah. Um, months and months or years ago. Uh, but I picked up that, that book a long time ago because he recommended it to me and haven't read it yet, but it's right here and I'm going to read it this week because come from, and this very much is Mike Mignola esque. I mean, this is, in fact, I, I'm pretty sure Mike Mignola has done some artwork for this book because it, it very much is that is that uh, that general vibe and feel look and feel. Um, but this book uh, has also been adapted and starting this Friday, if you're listening to this on release week, um, Friday, February 15th, Netflix is doing their own show for this. So season one of that show comes out on Friday. So I'm trying to get through book one, which is a pretty hefty book. I mean, it's a it's a pretty you see this, Patrick? 
Yeah, it's yeah. Not, it's not a small first uh, compendium. It's put out by Dark Horse, which also does. Who um, is the writer Hellboy. behind Umbrella Academy? The writer. Oh, it's right, Gerard Way from um, from My Chemical Romance. Oh yeah, 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 yes, that's right. You're yeah. correct. I, that's I thought it was, and I just looked to verify. But that's the that's the novel by Gerard Way. Yeah. Um, so I just realized that the, the cover art I saw as I was looking at the credits, the cover art for this is James Jean. I love James Jean's work. This is totally different than what I would expect from James Jean, but it looks incredible. James Jean yeah. is who did that mother print, that poster yes, for yes, mother. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, wow. Okay. No wonder. Uh, well, there you go. So this Friday, I will have read this. By Friday, I will have read this, and then I'm going to binge watch the Netflix series. So I'm excited to, to see that um, as well. Art and design. Uh, here's another one for uh, for all you Disney people. Mondo, our favorite friends at Mondo, have uh, have made the jump over. Patrick, do you want to tell everybody about uh, what what they're doing? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So Mondo is now partnered with Disney, and they've uh, they've got which that's the, a uh, power partnership. Like, am I wrong? Let me be honest. I think this spells bad news for Cyclops. I wonder what this is going to mean for Cyclops license long-term now that Mondo has it. It makes me kind of feel like, you know, how many games can there be in town? So I'll be interested to see how this unfolds. Not to freak anybody out or be doom and gloom, but it, it does make me curious because Mondo is, they're, they're not playing around, and my guess is that they intend for this to be held for a long time and do a lot with it. And we've already seen that both through some of the stuff they've teased. Um, you know, the the pins have been released. If you've been following it, we have pins from DKG and Tom Whalen. That's how they're kicking it off. They've already teased. Which those are for, some great artists to kick this deal off, right? I mean, oh, that's yeah. yeah. Quit. And it, yes, absolutely. They've already teased sketches for Tiki mugs, and then Andrew. You've heard about yeah. some more stuff because you follow Mr. Otterbacher. Yeah, so Brock Otterbacher, our, our friend over with the collectible side of Mondo, he he posted and said, real in a real explicit teasery kind of way, said, uh, "Here's the first set of pins, and I believe there's going to be a pin release every month. A Disney wow. pin release every month is what I is what I picked up on. Um, but these are the first pins and the first tiki's." And the Tiki's are Scrooge McDuck and uh, Fantasia Mickey. Um, And um, these are the first of many different products, including games and collectibles. Yes. So, um, Which collectibles is how they categorize things like their toy line. Yes. Um, So the point is we're going to get a lot more than just pins, which, of course, you and I are super excited about excited about. I like their pins because first of all they're usually by artists that we know and love and are friends with right yes. so it's it's a great easy entry point for collecting their art in a way that um, doesn't take up all of our wall space but on top of that it's an easy entry point for people uh, to, to who want to get involved in this this deal and um, it's a big deal for Mondo because it not well having the license and in the the kind of advertising that you now are subject to my guess is we'll see some oh my disney partnerships as well uh when it comes to dropping releases and uh and, and again it, it, and it speaks to an inevitable disney show part three sometime oh, right. in the next year i would imagine yeah no kidding so that, so anyway it's completely exciting but it will be interesting to this seems like they're they're making the statement that this is a a bigger deal than the licensing they've used in the past 
And uh, so it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds over the next six months, a year, or whatever it looks well, like. Well, yeah, because this is the first time they're branding it Mondo and Disney. Right, exactly. So it's before it's been Mondo and Cyclops and Oh My Disney. Now yes. it's Mondo and then capital D Disney just Disney. So uh, it seems like it's a direct partnership. So good for them. I am a fan of both companies. I love what both of them stand for. And so this, Oh, and to be clear, I want to be also super clear. I love the people at Cyclops. Everyone that I've met from Cyclops and talked to at Cyclops has been great. I'm just very, you're just reading, you're reading some writing, the proverbial writing on the wall, or at least some potential writing that's on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Disney's huge and a lot of people buy it. So a lot of people can sell it. I, I want to see how the climate shifts. I'm excited in any case. In the high-end um, collectible and, and art and art poster world. Yeah, that's right. For sure. you've, listen, you've got another Disney thing list on the list. You have Mickey Mouse Michaels. So that's, that's, a, that that's be... a game and toy uh, <laughs> deal. So let's shift into the toys and games. Um, this is Mickey so much Mouse more Michaels. fluid. Mickey Mouse Michaels. Yeah, Mickey Mouse Michaels exclusive. So... Uh, Again, if you follow the show, here's a toy for you guys. If you're a Disney fan and you're a toy fan, this is right up your alley. They've been doing this this Mickey. They're celebrating Mickey's 90th, right? And that's been huge from the end of last year and will continue to go through this entire year, Mickey's 90th. And the, the branding they're circling around it is Mickey, the true original. That's what this this whole thing, this thing is. And there are products from every single outlet do who have the license to do Disney stuff. But one that I'm excited about, I have in my hand right here is the, uh, pop vinyl Michael's exclusive. And it's a, uh, Michael's exclusive cause it's DIY. You see this Patrick? Holy cow. Look at that. So it's the, it's the Mickey, um, the new Mickey pop vinyl, uh, where, where he's just kind of standing with his hands you know outstretched but it is totally white and ready and it's primed to be painted um so uh i got one of these uh for myself and then one of them for my friend jp who picked it up for me and he i'm going to customize his to look like um to look like a character from toy story so that's gonna be that's gonna be a lot of fun so if you're an art if you if you like to collect disney stuff if you like to collect pop vinyls if you like to do your own uh, customization on things. This one's this one is has a little bit of something for everybody. So uh, if you That's want just so great. to sit up on the on the counter, solid white Mickey looks awesome. So like uh, it's good any way you any way you shake it, it, it looks really really cool. And then it's an exclusive, and it's got the little you know, the exclusive stickers and stuff that happen on that. So, so that's exciting. So, um, there's that a couple of games that I think I want to mention before we, we pop out of here, things that you can, um, pick up either now. Uh, so you can get that Mickey now, uh, if you can find it at your local Michaels. Um, these other ones are things that you want to be on the lookout for, uh, because they will be coming soon. Um, if not immediately when, when this episode airs. Uh, but the first one is this game called Inoka, and I backed it on Kickstarter a while ago. Uh, it just came in. It's a, it's a two-to-four-player game by XYZ uh, Game Labs, and you essentially, uh, the artwork on it is incredible. You're these, like, woodland creatures and I'm trying to show you, Patrick, and we'll put a link to I've it I've got it, in it the pulled up right here. Okay, so you can see the artwork for it. Yes. Um, it essentially looks like, uh, uh, like what is that, Mice and Mystic, I think, is, is or like the, the, creatures, uh, what, the creatures from Nim. Is that what that? 
Do you remember that movie, that old like 80s, early 90s movie? The, yes, the, but uh, I didn't actually secret, watch the it. The Secret of Nim. The Secret, secret of Nim. Nim. This has a very Secret of Nim type feel to it. It's woodland creatures that have like that are battle ready, right? They're like uh they have shields and, and bows and arrows and staffs and things like Does that. Does this remind you of, of, is that game called Firefly that we played? Uh, it's a little bit like that. Yeah, it's a little bit like that. Where the char- But these characters have battle appropriate. Like they, certain, certain cards are, are like warriors and you attack or you taunt or you can block. So those are your three main actions that you play with each other. So um, it's a two to four player game. Doesn't take very long to play. They do have, and I don't know if this is just a Kickstarter exclusive or what, or maybe we unlocked it as a uh, as a uh, stretch goal, but they do include in the box a five to, play, five to eight player battle royale variation of rules. Ah, very cool. So that's cool. So not a lot of games... <clears throat> Not a lot of games give you multiple ways of playing it. Um, it seems like that is becoming more a, a, a thing that game makers are trying to include. Um, like with Dice Throne that we talked about last month where it's, uh, it's anywhere from two to eight players and you can play as teams or you can play as individuals all the way up to like a Battle Royale eight player kind of deal. I like that games are becoming more versatile. Um, and this game certainly is that it is a cheap game. I think it costs 20 bucks. It's not available for you yet if you didn't back it on Kickstarter, but I imagine sooner rather than later. Keep your eyes peeled for it. It's a, it's a, the box is real small. You see this, Patrick? I mean, it's, it's a handheld. You could totally throw yeah. it in your, in your backpack. The artwork is incredible. It's beautiful. The way it's designed is great. I'm excited to actually get in, uh, get a chance to play it. It just came in the mail. So, um, I haven't even shuffled the cards yet, but they are beautiful. Um, so check out Inoka. It's a great game. The other one is a game you can get now. Um, you might need to wait. It might be on back order at some places cause it's, it's pretty new. Um, uh, but this game that I, I backed on Kickstarter, there's a game called, uh, Enchanters. This is the second version of Enchanters. This is Enchanters Overlords. Um, and, it is a game where you are going through and trying to build the right kinds of weapons. It is a primary, it, there's no board, it's a card game um, where you are going through and you are a different class of, uh, you're either elves or gnomes or angels or unicorns or demons. Like you're, you're a class of character and you are flipping over these overlords, which are these like the, these bad guys and you're trying to defeat them by getting these, um, these cards that are, uh, equipment cards and then you can right. upgrade those equipment cards with various ways and um it is a really really cool looking game as far as the art is concerned i was trying to find the artist for this um and i oh the artist for inoka i think it's important to note because you can follow them on uh on like instagram and on social media stuff the artist for inoka is something awesome I had it and then I like closed it and it fell. Okay. The artist for Inoka is uh Amy uh Nagi, N-A-G-I. It'll okay. be in the show notes if you if you don't know, but the the artwork is by Amy uh Amy Nagy, and I follow them on so, on uh, social media now, and their work is incredible. It's it's really really good. I couldn't find the artist for um Enchanter Overlords, but you see this inside the box, Patrick. I'm gonna try to show you. It gives oh, you these yeah. these card like segmenters. Oh yeah, that's so that you super keep nice. all your stuff uh, in a relatively smart order. Uh, but there's a ton of like punch outs for this game. 
I haven't played it yet. I, we need to do, because this past month has been so busy and we've been traveling, we haven't really done a game night or a game day. We need you know, to like just unload an entire day and knock out five or six games. If you want to win Andrew's affection as a game designer, have organizational components to your box. That's it. it. The game can be garbage, but if there's like a slot that everything fits in perfectly and it's labeled, Andrew's going to love it. It's going to, and you, you will receive the highest marks. Like you will see if it looks beautiful and it stores beautifully, the game can be total garbage. That's not true. I obviously care about game stuff, but like that is such a huge deal for me. Um, it's so huge that I buy components to organize the games that don't come pre-organized. <laughs> Right. Like, it matters that much to me. A game that, this is perfect segue, Parks by uh, Keymaster Games, they just reached their highest stretch goal, um, and they have a game trays, custom game tray that builds and holds all of your components, and it is phenomenally beautiful. Are you looking at it right now? I'm pulling it up, yes. <laughs> it is so, so good. It, it was $180,000 they had to reach to get that... Uh, to get that stretch goal and they did it they blew past it and so now we will have this really really nice organizational component that just adds to the quality of the game you good see it? for them man yeah the, i'm looking at it, it right look now so nice the full box organizer yeah it's beautiful yeah um so anyway that's are that's they a just great... making up stretch goals at this point i guess at this point they have to right because they they're almost to a quarter of a million dollars <laughs> like yeah Way to go, uh, Kyle and Maddox, because that is fantastic. Yeah, exactly. and, if someone and f- deserves it for to have a successful Kickstarter, these guys deserve it. They absolutely do. And partnering with 59 Parks and the artwork for that, oh my gosh, it's just... And the gameplay looks really fun, too. It, like, it looks like it yeah. makes a lot of sense. So, um, man, so many great things coming out right now, so many great games. Uh, by the time this airs, you probably won't be able to do Parks anymore, I believe, the, that will have just finished... Um, Maybe when does the parks? When does the parks? Uh... Well, there's eight days left from today. Okay, so then yeah, you'll have a couple of days. So yeah. go if you have not backed the game parks yet. I think it's it's very reasonable. Um, it's less than fifty bucks. I think it's like thirty nine bucks. Yeah, I- exactly. You're not going to spend a lot of money, and uh, this is the time to get it because you're going to get all the extras with it. You're going to get all the extras, and it is. Oh my gosh, the components for this are going to be so nice because they've 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 hit all their stretch goals. So go get that game. And Pick like up, anything they make, if you don't like it, just shadow box it and hang it on the wall because it'll be beautiful. Well, that's the thing, right? Like I paid I paid so much. Uh, the the newest release from um, from Fifty Nine Parks came out this month, and I bought it right away. And that w- by itself was sixty bucks, but I could probably just wait, yeah. and it would be in the the parks game <laughs> like you know what i mean like there's, there's just one of these situations where the the artwork that they use for their games is is next level it's not game artwork it is artwork on its own merit that they have used in the game which i think is is really smart so for art lovers and game lovers they they are a perfect pairing yep. um Anyway, didn't didn't really expect to talk about Keymaster Games again, but we truly do love uh, what they do. So Inoka, uh, Enchanters Overlords, and f- do yourself a favor and pick up Parks uh, before it's too late um, because it's it's just phenomenal. Uh, on the topic of art and design, uh, we do have another episode of the Art Department coming out, uh, which is going to be next week. If you're listening to this on record, it'll be the the um, 
second to last week of February, and we are talking to our good friend Colin Schlicht, and uh, it is a good conversation. He is a super talented guy. Uh, On top of that, you couldn't ask for a nicer dude. His story is really interesting, um, and he is he is on you know on this this freelance uh, path and seeing what led him there and where it's. You know what? Uh, taking some pretty big steps and some leaps of faith has gotten him is is pretty inspiring. Well, so well, that's um, the thing. I mean, a, a a year ago, I guess it was right at a year ago is when he decided to walk away from his full time job yeah. and move and to Portland, move to Portland, yeah. and then start freelancing. Yeah. So if you want to hear his story, he he is just a super nice guy. So you can keep keep your eye out for that next week. Um, but uh, otherwise, I think uh, is there more to talk about, Patrick? That's it. We made think, it through. I think we've covered quite enough. I think we can let... That's uh, enough for a month. Yeah, that's enough to, to hold everybody over. Um, let me just say, Bottleneck Gallery has been doing a fantastic job. It's hard to know because they, they don't give us a big schedule of their releases. And by the time this airs, so many of the great... So many of the things that they've, they've, they've released in the last few days won't be available anymore. But if there is a, if there is a, uh, a gallery to keep your eye on... And we love... All of them. We love Hero Complex. We love Mondo. Oh, yeah. But Bottleneck has been... It feels like in the last three months, they have really upped their game in terms of what pieces they're put, they're putting out. Um, they did a, a fantastic uh, Matt Ferguson uh, Spider-Man uh, Into the Spider-Verse piece. Mm-hmm. They're releasing one tomorrow for Black Panther. They're releasing one for Mary Poppins. Not Mary Poppins. Uh, Willy Wonka. <laughs> There you uh, go. Willy Wonka, that is also phenomenal. So just, anyway. They've got that's an Arsenal a, handicraft uh, print up right now as well on the homepage. I lo- see, I love it. They're Which just... Love. Dennis and Christina are great, yeah. so. I, yeah, so keep your eye, eye peeled for uh, for Bottleneck Gallery. Not that they need our help. They're doing fine on their own, but it's... it's <laughs> I'm just, I, I'm in love with the stuff that they're putting out right now. Um, we're going to call this one done for now, though. You can find us on mofone.network. Uh, where you can find show notes to this and a whole bunch of other episodes, a a completely retooled archive of shows that is lightning fast. Yes. So if you're used to our old site where you'd have to click and you'd have to wait for stuff to... This is not that. This is the opposite of that. It loads very, very <laughs> fast, and you have access to so many conversations, uh, not just with the two of us, but with incredible artists from all different industries from all over the world. Hit that up if you want to uh, If you want to hear some really, really good stuff um, because, uh, man, it, it's there. It's sitting there waiting for you. So if you're new to us, go check it out. We would love for you to, to drop a re- uh, review and rate the show. That would help us a lot. Um, so go ahead and do that, and we will read it on the air if new ones pop up. And that's our promise to you. That's right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so well said. Right? Uh, I think, though, for now, let's just get out of this episode. I don't even know how to send these things off anymore. I'm just... just... <laughs> Bye. <laughs> yeah, I'm Patrick. <laughs> I'm Andrew. Yep, support a local artist. Be all you can be. Mm-hmm.